0: Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Pete Mills Musicals. I am indeed Pete Mills, and with me here is Kara Reichel.
1: Hi, I'm so excited to be here launching this new endeavor, the Pete Mills Musicals podcast, although podcast is not an official part of the title. That's just what it is.
0: We're calling it Pete Mills Musicals, but really these are musicals that Kara and I have created together over our 20 plus years of collaboration. Cara, being very busy as the artistic director of Prospect Theater Company, might not always be here to do a podcast episode, but hey, Pete's got a lot of time, so (laughs) sometimes there will be podcasts that probably are just Pete Mills by himself.
1: Or maybe Pete Mills and other cool theater people talking to Pete Mills. Also, um, your name... People get it right the first time most of the time when they say that. Cara Reichel is sort of a hard name to include (laughs) in the title of your podcast.
0: But we hope to have Cara here as often as possible because she has dulcet tones that are very pleasing.
1: Pete, do you want to tell us a little bit more about who you are for those listeners that might be new to the Pete Mills Musicals experience?
0: Sure. I am a composer, lyricist, sometime co-book writer, uh, working in the field of musical theater. And I have co-created with Kara Reichel over our 25-ish years of collaboration. More than a dozen musicals, let us say. Uh, One of the things about this being Pete Mills Musicals is there are a few musicals I've worked on not with Kara. Those might be up for discussion at some point later down the road. I'm excited for some of those Pete Mills deep cut uh, looking into the the Trunk of
1: Songs episodes (laughs) as well. But we do hope to go back to some of the shows we've created together um, and give them another hearing in a new format. Uh, So uh, just to say a little bit about myself, I am a director, I am a theater producer, uh, I am also a co-book writer and a book writer on projects. Sometimes I even work on projects that don't involve pete mills um so we <laughs> but both those
0: will not be on this podcast those
1: will well unless there's like the special guest situation <laughs> no if it
0: doesn't have a connection to pete <laughs> mills it can't be on here
1: so yeah i think uh this is going to be an exciting adventure not only in our learning about the podcast format and if anyone actually wants to listen to this uh but to be able to to go back into the the history books and um, i'm excited to use my npr voice
0: a little bit here we love it we love it. The reason that this exists at all is that we had the notion of recording one of our shows, Evergreen, as a podcast musical, because it is one of our shortest shows. And so we had the thought that we could really record it in its entirety. And also, because it is a a show of ours that does not have a studio cast recording, this was a way to get one of our shows a nicer recording while we were at it.
1: Yeah. So the idea here is that you're going to be able to listen to Evergreen, our holiday musical, um, from start to finish and get the entire story. We have assembled an incredible cast of Broadway talent and a bunch of youth performers and um, and I guess uh, maybe I can dive in and tell a little bit of the backstory of Ooh, Evergreen.
0: Careful there, though. I noticed uh, the level did drop away when you turned away from the mic. Oh, okay. So we have to be very careful to, Great. S- to I need, stay on I need
1: a, I need a music stand kind of here then is what, what I need. Oh, sorry. So I can look at my script. But
0: uh, all right. So... Don't worry. We'll edit all of this out. Okay. Yes, this is so... And we're back. Kara, you were about to tell us the story of how Evergreen originally came to be.
1: Pete and I are co-founders of Prospect Theater Company, which is a nonprofit organization based in New York City. And um, through Prospect, our mission is to develop and produce uh, original musical theater, and that includes our work as founding members of the company. It also uh, expands and includes the work of other writers. So. Um, Way back in 2009, um, you may remember this was sort of in the wake of the economic crisis of 2008, 2009. We were, like many theater companies, thinking about, well, what could we do that might sell a lot of tickets and, um, you know, get people into the theater and engage a wide audience?
0: And for a lot of theater companies, the show that does that is A Christmas Carol. So we decided we needed to write our own holiday show that would have young performers and would be for family audiences and sell a lot of tickets.
1: So uh, we spent a lot of time during 2009 thinking about what our approach to the holiday show angle um, might be. I have a whole rant, which I won't go into, about Christmas Carol and how I really dislike Christmas (laughs) Carol.
0: So we knew we wanted to stay away from that. But we did want to create a show that would have a broad appeal and might even have a life beyond the holiday season.
1: And what we got into thinking a lot about was the symbols One of the things I love in New York is always when, uh, right after Thanksgiving, all these Christmas trees just appear lining the streets. And when you walk down the streets, you smell this incredible odor of the, you know, the fir and the pine. And And
0: it was thinking about these traditions of the season that led us to the idea of evergreen, which is really about the solstice and about how at the darkest time of the year, we celebrate renewal and rebirth as the days begin to get longer again and light begins to return to the world.
1: So we say it's a holiday musical... But it is also a holiday musical with environmental themes. It looks at uh, cycles of nature, cycles of rebirth, and uh, contemplates uh, as human beings how we live in relationship to nature.
0: And if we haven't said it, I think it's important to mention that the show was not originally written as a podcast musical. When we did the show, it was a full stage production. And Cara, maybe you can talk a little bit more about that.
1: So the one full production that Evergreen has had was from December into January of 2009 and 2010. We cast uh, a group of six adults and 12 incredibly talented uh, youth performers. Uh, We had a wonderful music director, Dan Fayer, and Dax Valdez, who was our choreographer for the show. It was such a magical experience. What is even more wondrous to me is that all of those kids are now grown up and (laughs) they're in their 20s. (laughs) And, um, you know, we're excited to be able to share this story with a whole new generation. And
0: in the original production, the kids were the storytellers and theater makers, and they actually represented a lot of the environmental elements that are in the story. They played uh, not only
1: children who were part of the community uh, hearing the story, uh, but they played the forces of nature. So uh, when you listen to the podcast, you will... Uh, here described things like sandstorms and fire and water and wind. And
0: you might think, how would any of that stuff have worked in a stage production of the show? And
1: our answer was, it was a large group of
0: children. But in this version, it's going to be more like a radio play. So for a sandstorm instead of a youth ensemble doing choreography, there's going to be sound effects and there's going to be more narration.
1: So maybe, so maybe this is a good moment to say what the season is going to consist of. So we have this uh, short introductory episode and then we are going to be presenting five chapters, which are going to be each about 15 minutes long, each is their own standalone episode. So you'll be able to hear a chapter of the evergreen story, um, One a day, we are looking to begin the release on Tuesday, December 19th, and do one chapter per day.
0: The final episode will be on December 23rd, and then after that, we're hoping to do some episodes where we interview members of the cast or tell you a little bit more about the research behind the story, and I may even... Uh, tell you a bit about some musical Easter eggs that are there in the score stay tuned
1: and the other thing I'll just say is it's a really fun quest story it's about um, a girl who is 13 years old and her younger brother and they go out uh, on an amazing adventure so uh, we think that it is a fun story that you will hopefully listen to um, at any time of the year not just at the holiday season
0: and we want to leave you with a little sneak preview of the show this is a kind of audio trailer so it's not the show itself, but it's bits and pieces of it uh, assembled to try to give you a sense of the story and the characters and the music. Enjoy. Ooh,
1: there was a thing called trees. And there were so many kinds,
0: pines and firs with their shiny sharp needles.
1: I just don't believe in it anymore. It's fine for Joshi and the other kids, but grown-ups don't believe in those things. There are journeys we all must take on our own, Maya. Your mother had to find her own way, and I think you do, too. So where exactly are you going? To get away from you. Well, you didn't. Go home, Joshi. If you're going to find the trees, then I'm coming with you. How did you ever find us? I'm Bell's Nickel. But more to the point, I'm a water witch. You can do magic? Sometimes. Maya, look! There are stories in the stars that the sailors used to steal by. And where water! So much of it! Yama always told us most of the Earth was no. covered with water. That if all of it is true. Would be nearby on the endless blackness of the open ocean, they would look to heaven's
0: door the stories in the stars.
1: There is a place where the earth is still fertile. It is dangerous, but that is where you must seek your trees.
0: To lead us on earth.